Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good friends and partners in radio, Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin. Boys, we have uh, we have much to discuss this morning, but uh, I feel like I got to get something off my chest. I got to come clean to you guys about something. Uh, I have sold out. Uh, I've sold my soul to Christian Publishing in that uh, I'm back on the TGC horse, boys. Um, I sold a little Whoa. article to TGC. Yeah, it's big. I thought maybe you'd Huge. gotten on Twitter and started Yoda tweeting or something. That's when Dude, you no, said no sell Yoda your soul. That's where, that's where my, yeah. my concerns immediately went. Boys, I'm not a man of the cloth. I don't think I'm qualified to do Yoda work. I haven't been to seminary. You know, I haven't had my my 300 level Yoda class, and uh, I, I I just don't feel called yeah. to that that type of ministry yet. You know, maybe yeah. later. Well, I mean, Dave and Harvey, correct, Dave Harvey wrote correct. a book called "Am I Called?" Maybe it's in there. Is there is there an addendum chapter to that about Yoda tweeting, Ron? I don't know. There Dude, is. I haven't read Harv's book on on calling. I probably should check that out though. Yeah, uh, I think it's time. I think it's I think time. it is time. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, boys, I wrote a short think piece, and uh, it's it's going to be the shortest thing probably that's ever run on TGC. So, they, in fact, when I sent it in, they were like, this looks like the abstract. Where's the rest of it? They were saying, we just got to get Joe Carter in to edit it and add some eight or nine points to it. Yeah, right? Joey C is going to add about 6,000 words. Absolutely. And be ready to go. How many so, points did you make in it? I didn't make any points. It was just kind of an essay. You know what I mean? Like I'm not, I'm not a huge point making guy necessarily. Oh, but so you just confused them is what you did. Ted's you like, sent this I thing. Ma- that, I don't have a point. They're like, what, yeah, what is this genre? Block. They're like, I see a lot of words on here, Big T, but where's necessarily like the the five points? So yeah, T, is there a point any time in your future? <laughs> I don't. I don't see a point now or in the future, baby. So. Maybe that's going to be problematic for them. I don't know, but we'll uh, we're we're doing that delicate dance right now of of just editorial and and maybe I won't even recognize the finished product. But, Which is to say, uh, you are just saying, don't touch that. No, no. Every time <laughs> exactly. they say, well, what if? What would you think if alone. we? No, the answer is exactly. no. You're like, Boys, Colin, I'm looking. Colin, let's leave this alone, shall we? I'm, I'm looking at my phone though, just waiting for it to ring off the hook with main stage invitations after this article drops though oh, it's gonna, uh, it's gonna looking happen. at some lake houses you know i mean just the usual cycle of like TV maybe a, maybe a, like a steak company with your earnings yeah, maybe a steak company and maybe speaking of steak companies it looks to me from the show notes like channy's got a little uh he's got another iron in the fire but before we get to that Piper, I, I want you to talk about our irons in the fire business wise uh in a great business partnership that we have uh, in the works. So lay that on us, man. Yeah, we need to talk about our business before we get to Matt Chandler's businesses. He can Absolutely. he can Correct. be second on this one. Um, our sponsor for this episode is the Christian Standard Bible, particularly the He Reads Truth and She Reads Truth Bibles. Those are those are separate Bibles, folks. Um, the they're sort of study slash devotional Bibles with an abundance of really helpful supplemental materials, timelines, outlines, book summaries, reflective notes, um, not devotional in like the chicken soup for the soul way, but really reflecting on the gospel meaning of various texts. They're also maybe the most aesthetically pleasing Bibles I've seen in terms of interior layout. Just the everything from typeface to margins to everything. It's they're They're really, really nice to use. So what CSB is doing is working with us on a giveaway. They're going to give away two each uh, of each of the He Reads Truth and She Reads Truth Bibles. So if you go to happyrantpodcast.com, you will see a big spot right in the middle of the page that says giveaways, and you can enter there. You pick which one you want to sign up for. Um, and the entries are open through October 15th. So from the time this drops, that'll be just, just over a month. 
And so you've got a little bit of time, but jump on it. Um, these are, if, if you just want to go ahead and buy it so you don't have to wait and see, they're available at lifeway.com, amazon.com, although Tim Challies might not approve, um, christianbook.com. Uh, you can get them anywhere. And they're, they're wonderful for gifts as well. I've given three or four of these away to different people who are specifically people who have an intent to get into the word more, but are a little bit, they're just not ready to sort of be an avid Bible scholar. So they need something to, something to help them along the way, familiarize themselves with how to study the Bible, how to get comfortable with it. These are awesome for that. So go to happyparentpodcast.com, enter that giveaway, or go check out the He Reads Truth and She Reads Truth Bibles wherever you like to buy your books, except Amazon, so you don't get slapped down by our friendly Canadian neighbor to the north. <laughs> Piper, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with those pronouns on those Bibles, but otherwise, yeah. I'm, uh, otherwise I'm excited to check those out. Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe I should pitch to them a We Read Truth Bible, a They Read mm, Truth Bible, a keep it vague. You know, This Is My Truth Bible. Yeah, um, there you know. go. We could go a number of different directions. So far, though, they're remaining true to a traditional understanding of both gender and scripture, which, mm. you know, I think we How can stand they? behind that. I, you know, I think, I think we should we still do that. I think we can. Mm. Boys, something else that I'm excited to, to potentially stand behind, um, and this is staying in the realm of business news. Um, I know nothing about this other than what appeared in the show notes, but it, it looks as though our boy, uh, Steak Mogul, uh, steak magnate, Matty Chan, also a pastor. Um, he still does some man of the cloth work. Pastoring on the side time. when he has pastoring time. Pastoring on the side, yeah. Uh, does he have a cruise, boys? Is there a Matt Chandler branded cruise? And if so, are we all going? Uh, are we getting our berths below deck like Leo on the Titanic? Um, Ron, you're you're uh, up to speed on all things pastoral and business. Talk us through this. What are we looking at here? Well, I don't know. So I got a. Uh, so I think me, both me and Pipe, we got a little text from Jared C. Wilson, and okay. uh, it was it was sort of like a it was sort of like a like a poster flyer advertisement for <laughs> I guess Stephen I guess Stephen Curtis Chapman and his wife have okay. a cruise, and they invited in some special guests. One of which is Matt and and Lauren Chan. And then the other guest is uh, Scotty Smith. Yeah. So it looks like it's not necessarily a like a Matty Chan cruise per se. He's just going to be the special guest on Stephen Curtis's Chapman cruise, which I, was like that in and of itself seems surprising to me. I don't know anything about Stephen Curtis, you know, other than he was like the soft rock hit guy of the 80s and 90s and CCM, you know, and all that stuff. So I don't I don't really know much about him. But the fact that he invited like Scotty Smith. And Maddie Chan, I thought, well, that I don't know, that kind of makes me rethink like Stephen Curtis a little bit. I like that was just kind of that was kind of weird to me. I mean, weird in a good way, not in a weird way, but maybe um, the theme is just affluent, beautiful, evangelical white people. Yeah, and it's probably like, except that Scotty Smith is there and uh, and he's like the most sort of normal down to earth. Well, first of all, he's one of the OGs of pastoral Yoda Twitter. So that goes on his resume. But he's he sort of functions as like a pastor to pastors. He's probably in his late 60s, early 70s. And just he's the guy who on Twitter every Sunday morning, you will see him list off a name of of pastors who he knows and not not like famous people, just pastors of Mm -hmm. churches and basically just says, I'm praying for you this morning. He does this like 6 a.m. And he he just tags them. And so it's not a a public fame thing. So he's he's the real deal. And. The Chapman's and pipe, are, obviously, that's one of my goals is to get that to get that Scotty Smith prayer on Sunday morning. I don't know that I will have arrived 
until You've I wake up on Sunday that, morning. That oh, not even close. Okay. And I get that Twitter shout out of prayer from the prayer guy. I mean, Scotty Smith is like the resident like man of prayer. prayer? Guy? Oh, he's the prayer guy. When, nice. And he's and especially and he's like pastoral care guy too, like caring oh, for other pastors. And and then the Chapmans are they're local to Nashville and they have a stellar reputation, both you know, and just as in terms of theology, their Christian life, they have they lost a daughter in a terrible accident a few years yes. ago. And so how they've walked through suffering, how they've you know, their their faithfulness, their they support a ton of I think they have an entire sort of adoption support ministry. Uh or maybe it's adoption and foster care. And so they're they're not sort of your celebrity glitz and glam, which is why this whole thing just feels um <clears throat> dissonant to me because mm. because I wouldn't have pegged any of these people as headlining a cruise. Boys, I'm not gonna rest until we're headlining our own cruise. I'll hey, just he's put it talked out about there. that a lot, man. We've had a conversation we've had a cu- we've had a couple Maybe I'm on those about that over the years. Like, dude, you are like you're hell bent. If I can use I that kind of lingo, you can on this yeah. very conservative podcast yeah. um, about getting us to headline a cruise one of these days. Maybe it's because I'm a boat guy. I'm a wharf guy. I love I wharfs. Know, yeah, I, you're a navy just, man, is what you are. Dude, you're I'm a kind sailor. Of, I, the thought yeah, of, I'm kind of a sailor. Absolutely. The thought of living on a boat for any period of time just sounds terrible to me. Really. I love I love the water. I like I going on boats, living on a boat. I do not want to spend a night on a boat. That sounds awful to me. I've spent nights on boats before. Yeah. How many have you guys done a cruise before? No, I have never done a cruise. No, because we like we like we're doing our first cruise like next year. We've never done one. We're like the only people we know like in our like sphere here that have never. Because Ohioans, that's all they do is they go on cruises in the winter, right in Florida, and so we've never done one, and we just. We felt like kind of pariah, like why have, why are we the only person that haven't like experienced like the joy of, of sailing the seven seas? Baby, so are you going with the thing. are you going with the Wilsons on that cruise, that Viking cruise that they always uh promo before Downton Abbs, the one yeah, down the you know, like the European thing? Yeah, it's gonna be like a B to D list uh cruise with a bunch of like uh, evangelical uh, non celebs that only a few people have heard of. So you guys are invited. Nice, what nice. what is the appeal of a cruise when one could go to say like an all inclusive resort and not have to spend the night on a boat? Because I think it's like the D- yeah and pipe. By the way, BT Dub, I I've literally asked those same questions for years because I'm like I'm trapped on the boat now and like I want to have more freedom. So I guess what they do mm-hmm. is you go to like eight different islands and then you get to spend the day on these like kind of like exotic. Like, you know, Caribbean islands, you know, depending on the cruise you do. See, of that sounds like organized forced fun to me. Now now we're on like tropical youth camp where they're like, all right, it's craft time. Well, no, 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 no. They're not. No, you don't have to do like that. You just get to walk off the boat and do whatever you want. And then you basically you sleep on the boat at night and then the, the, the boat is all inclusive. So when you get on there, man, all the you, it's all the food you want to eat, all the stuff, all anything that you want to do. And it's all kind of next level. So it's all kind of nice. So that's just kind of the so you basically you got this really nice hotel on the sea, and then during the day you're you're kind of stopped off on this really exotic. Yeah, you had me island. right up until on the sea. I like really nice hotels. I like luxury. You know, it's, you know, it's weird, man. I'm not a big sea guy either. I'm not a big navy man, even though I'm the son of a navy man, even though I'm the son of a of a cussing sailor navy man. Um, <laughs> so swearing. I'm, I'm not navy one of those. So you're you're closer you're, to this than I am. 
Yeah, but like I, I'm with you, man. The water thing, I'm not going to lie, man. It kind of tweaks. And like, dude, if I even stand in a swimming pool now, like I get like seasick. <laughs> so so, I, so, so as far as I can understand happen. it, let me help me understand this, Ronald. So you're you're going on this cruise essentially just to to pander to Ohioans. So I'm, this pandering, is this... I'm pandering to all Ohioans and okay. my wife. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. I yes. got you. Who is got you. who is an Ohioan, by the way? So it's yeah, it, it still works. Baby, do you guys feel like Ohioans now? Have you been there long enough? You know what I mean about that delicate sort of uh, ha- how long do you have to be in a place to be a local kind of deal? Do you do you uh, kind of identify with Ohio at this point? Dude, it's such a weird thing because I, I like I, I feel like I do in some ways, but I don't wake up in the morning thinking, "Oh, good morning, Ohioan." You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like I was true. talking to a dude this morning who like is a prof at, at Ashland University, which you have some yeah. experience with, Big T. Yeah. And uh, he's been here forty years, and he's like, wow. "Oh yeah, everybody kind of talks about me like I'm still like from Indiana because that's who that's where he's born." Well, like, the cultures are so different, you know. Oh, they're Ohio, so Indiana. wildly different, yeah. worlds apart. You know? But I'm just saying, like, dude, if they're still treating you like an outsider after 40, I don't have a prayer. Yeah. You know, do you, anyway. think all, do you think all people are like that? And I, I, I raised that question because uh, we're rewatching Downton Abbey to kind of pregame for the movie. Absolutely. And uh, just that, move. dude, that show is all about, I, I think, uh, upon a second viewing, it's all about like the desire to feel superior to anyone. You know what I mean? Because there's this pecking order and like everybody in the show feels like they've got a little bit of something to lord over someone else. You know so what I'm you're saying? saying the, you're saying the Granthams are reformed, Big T. <laughs> well, dude, I don't know. I I don't know. But it, but I think like just baked into humans is this desire to like feel like an insider or feel superior. You know what I'm saying? I think that's yeah, true. I don't I totally know what you're saying. Yeah. I don't I don't know how much that has to do with geography and everything. So, you know, if you're from middle America where the kind of place where people grow up in a small town and die in a small town it's yeah. it's geography based, uh, but if you you know you come to a place like Nashville where if you've been here, I've been here six years uh, as of right now. Uh, I guess I moved here six years today or tomorrow. I can't remember which. Um, it I feel like an old timer compared to a lot of people, but yeah. there are people who grew up here. So it's just this, it's this mishmash, and there's like eighty people moving in a day, and sure. so geography is a lot less of your superiority than. I don't know, pick, pick your favorite thing you want to be better at than somebody else. And so it's, <clears throat> yeah, in, in smaller town Ohio, that makes sense because people are like, this is my, these are my They roots. take ownership over yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, you're in a transitory like environment. That's where I was in California. Like, no, like, dude, however, nobody asked about how long you've been in California. I mean, because everybody's moving all over the place in California. People are coming in from out of state. Like nobody, nobody cared about that on any level. Yeah. But yeah, here yeah. it's much more like, it's chest thumpy about like, dude, if you weren't born here, you don't really yeah. belong here. Fascinating, baby. That's right. Really yeah, it's, fa- it's, it's awesome, too. It's great to be in that environment, by the way. <laughs> yeah, really, for sure. It's super really affirming. Fun. Yeah, and it's yeah. really affirming. You know, it's I really feel like like connected to the community and the people. No, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but but there is a little bit of that. But I was standing in I was standing like outside it and I was and I met up with a bunch of like profs from the university and they're all from out of state. And so it was like an interesting thing to talk about, like their experience being in a town that is so sort of like rooted in whether you've been born here or not and, and kind of always feeling like a perpetual outsider. 
So it's kind of interesting. Maybe yeah. are you doing that prof hangout circuit now, man? How how did that happen? What? No, nah, we're just doing this. That. We're just doing this ministry where we like hang out like on Thursdays. We set up like donuts and coffee on on one of our streets, and nice. we just kind of fire the neighborhood. It's right around the university, so we got a lot of people coming in. They just kind of catch wind of it. They hang out. It's just a way for us to meet neighbors and and. But a lot of the people are. We live right around the university, so a yeah. lot of these people are. Profs. So it's yeah. actually been really fun like to get to meet some of these dudes. Nice, dude. Ron, I, I respect a lot of things about you, but I think one of the ones that is highest on the list is your utter dedication to pastry ministry. <laughs> Pastries that you don't eat yourself. But no, just, I, I, I haven't had, had a donut to re-up this thing last month. You no. pour so many pastry blessings into your community. It's just, it, it's just an untold, amazing immeasurable blessing i'm sure to the people around you so yeah i just it's every every episode something comes up about you blessing somebody with pastries and i'm picture you know like you and your wife on bicycles delivering scones will forever be imprinted in my mind as like this is the epitome of ronnie martin's ministry right here i mean it really is it really is the epitome and pipe i appreciate those kind words and let me just add this boys a, a dream of mine is for you guys at one point to hop in the car together Come visit Big R and do just enjoy my pastry life here just for a day or two. Mm. So we'll, we'll talk about that. Do a live podcast here. We're going to do it. That would be fun. All pastries. Pa- pastries, all and pastries and podcasting going to get just oh, – that, that would be right. delicious in every sense. We can record – pastries and podcasts, man. That's the next one on the books for sure. We can record from the back of whatever hipster bicycles you know, Ron's riding these days. What are you looking at hipster bike-wise, baby? Because I know you're not riding like a normal bike. No, we're it's, doing. Uh, we just got. We just invested in Aventon e-bikes, man. So we're kind of like futuristic right now. Oh, so the ones that like ride themselves. All you got to yeah. do is sit on it, like, basically, like mopeds. Yeah, you yeah. Know, you're, you're, still, still pedal them. You still so you're pedal. getting none of the none of the really workout value. No, no, no. You still get the workout value. You just go a lot faster. Mm. So that's it. Oh, wow. yeah. Still exciting. get still get the workout. Exciting. Boy, well, speaking yeah. of things that that are exciting, um, my 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 friend, my buddy Al Moeller, Big Al. Uh, when I say my friend, I mean I've talked to him one time, and I think he fell asleep while we were talking. You actually talked to him one time, baby. Yeah, yeah, dude. Oh. This was this was kind of at the height of like mine and KDY's like joint fame, and uh, we were we were speaking at the same conf as Al Moeller, and oh. uh, there was a book signing. There was a little book signing like event where we all had tables and we were signing our books. Well, this and, is obviously uh, a highlight for you. Oh, it was a, a huge a life highlight. Huge, huge life highlight. And Katie, well, I was like, hey, we should go over and talk to Al Moeller. And I'm like, sure, whatever. And uh, we went over and we started to talk to him. And you know how Moeller sleeps like four minutes a night or whatever. He, his eyes were like half-lidded. Like he looked like a Garfield character. You know what I mean? And uh, so his, his eyes were like to begin with half-lidded. And then, uh, you know, we got a couple of sentences into whatever we were talking about. And I think he nodded off. But, or did he uh, just or did he just like refute every every word you said? No, he wasn't even like awake enough to refute it. You I said hi he, and he said the correct thing is hello. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Dude, so Big Al supposedly and again, I'm not on social so I don't know this you guys, but apparently he was throwing heaters. He was throwing fastballs on social about what makes a person a real person, um <laughs> implying that maybe it was being married and having some kids. Um you guys talk me through this cuz I don't know I don't know what we're looking at here other than I've I've heard bits and pieces of this thing. Yeah, I'm just. What's I'm, the, what's the I'm looking. I'm looking up the actual quote. I'm gonna see if I can find it. Um, yeah, the, basically the summary was. So it was a quote I think from his podcast where he he basically says, "Ah, here we go." So this is from the August 27th the briefing. 
Um, Americans are basically by the millions giving up on the fact that to be human is to be a parent, eventually to take on that responsibility to get married and have children, to take on the responsibility of passing on civilization itself. So that was his quote. And uh, the first reply I saw to it was something to the effect of, well, right, except Jesus, which um, <laughs> oh, it's I, the right, except Jesus. I considered it a strong. It. Re- so he he served and that was a strong volley like that was just right back at you, Al. Refute this. And uh, I don't know that it really turned into a conversation, but I. Yeah, the, the statement just seemed um, either <laughs> misspoken or sorely misguided. And I kind of think it had to have been taken out of context. Do you, do you think so? Well, I, it I, seems like it. I mean, yeah. I'm, well, first of all, it's a quote from a podcast. People could pull so many sentences out of this podcast and get us all just like thrown into the sea with a millstone around our neck. Like we would be dead <laughs> so fast because of things that we have said. Um, so, yes, out I'm of a con- wharf guy, though, so I might enjoy that. That's minus true. the millstone. Yeah, minus yeah. drowning. That part's less fun. <laughs> um, but... So yeah, it could definitely be out of context, but I don't that there's a phrase in there that he he just overstated it. He had to have to be human is to be a parent. Mm. Like really? That yeah. That yeah, that, that that's just not, seems that's that, just that's just patently false. It's just sloppy. It's like yeah, yeah. sloppy at, at at like yeah, at best. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, so uh, yeah, I I and I, I know that he would not look at himself and say, well, until I was a parent, I was not a human or <laughs> not even like fully or, or even like a because I kind of found that it's been the opposite for me. Yeah, it, it, I was going right. to say it's, it felt a little bit the opposite. At times. Yeah, it just felt dehumanizing since I had my baby 24 years ago. You know? Yeah, there's but. just yeah, there's an element of like having parts of yourselves yourself just removed daily and you're exactly. like i'm i'm less of a i'm less of a everything i'm less rich exactly. i'm less energetic <laughs> i'm less fun i'm less everything. just less yeah. my name's ronnie less <laughs> but yeah it, it's a i don't i don't know what to make of it i i know what point he's trying to make in terms of sort of the, the kind of fulfilling the like the genesis mandate of humanity to say that to be human is, is this is very different than saying, you know, to kind of be everything that God has for you is to do this. And even that takes nuance because there are people who are not called to be parents or to be married. And that's just not in the cards for them. And so or people yeah. whose marriages have ended or any number of things. And, and so to attach humanity and dignity and value to that is. Is wrong. Dude, so is I, he yeah. is is he like getting mega slaughtered for this? Is he getting getting lit up by oh, the yeah. online so harpies? The the term is getting ratioed, where your 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 replies and comments on a tweet dramatically outpace your likes and retweets. And at this very moment, he has eighty two likes on this tweet, which means eighty two people saved it for later to complain uh-huh. about with friends. Um, uh-huh. 17 retweets because people wanted to comment on it publicly and 244 comments, most of which I'm sure are disagreeing with him. But I don't want to go down that black hole because I'm afraid. Dude, so <laughs> given given what you know about Al Mohler, like how much do you think any of that like bothers him at all? Do you think he cares like one iota what like Twitter harpies are saying about him at any given moment? 
Uh, I think if he cared, he <laughs> there's a lot of things he would have stopped doing along the way, most of which are good. You know, he would have backed off things that he's been consistent and courageous in, some of which are maybe a bit more um, combative or divisive, like this. And again, I know he's trying to stand up for the sort of the Christian ideal of family, but that phrasing was not helpful. Yeah, that just seems – yeah, I go back to what you said, Pipe. That feels like sort of a tied into Genesis, you know, mandate kind of stuff. And maybe it was just sloppy wording on his part or you just had to read – you had to read more of the fine points of what he's saying in the context of how he said it. But yeah, that that feels like somebody just grabbed that quote and just went haywire. Like, oh, man, we got something. Right. So mm-hmm. here's – well, here's the thing. It's posted from his account. So this was not a gotcha thing. Like it's got his – it's got his little podcast logo on and everything. So here's what oh, it was like a pullout quote. It was yes. like a little. Yeah. So here's what I'm almost positive happened. Uh, he does not do his own pullout quotes because no right. significant figure does, especially not when there are graphics involved. So that means one of his one of his lackeys, for lack of a better term, his his associates, who mm-hmm. the, the dark suit wearing Southern Baptist seminary <laughs> crowd. One of them grabbed this because they're like, ooh, that's punchy, and just didn't think through the implication. Now, which puts him in the position of either being forced to stand by this, defend it, give context, whatever, or ignore it. But he didn't post this himself, but his name's on it, so, I mean, it's, it's his responsibility. Yeah, literally every reply is either what about Jesus, or I couldn't have kids, am I less of a child, or uh, et cetera, et cetera, and... Yeah, there's there's not a single and most of them are relatively gracious in terms of they're just they're they're making a point as opposed to, you know. Dude, what's wrong with Mueller's lackey? He needs to know that like it's 2019, man. Like everybody's just on Twitter, like roaming about waiting for someone to devour. So so here's why would you do that? Lackeys. So followers, followers are always crazier than the leader. Always. Yeah. And, Dude, yeah, right, and right. if they're not crazier, they're just less discerning, especially right. when somebody like Moeller, who is, <clears throat> I don't know, middle-aged-ish, mm-hmm. starts bringing in 24-year-olds to be his lackeys, which is what seminarians are often. Like, at 24, I was an idiot. I'm, I still often feel like one now. And uh, I, I think I, we see this with Desiring God. We see this with any number of ministries where the the followers are going to take the most distilled, concentrated, and sometimes stilted version of a message and and throw it out there as opposed to the kind of the holistic view of how things are nuanced and fit together and what the point was he was really trying to make was. And yeah, they, there's just not the awareness of the consequences of this are that he will just get dragged for days. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I would think, though, that like a 24-year-old lackey, if anyone, would would have an innate understanding of how social media works today. Um, I think if that was true, 24-year-olds would leave social media. Yeah, that's true. Like anybody who had a really innate understanding of it would probably leave it. But uh, but yeah, fascinating, man. Interesting, uh, interesting molar stuff. Um, interesting to see how this works. Boys, we have a couple more minutes, and uh, I want to get into a, a little more serious one. And this is the idea of counseling versus close friendships. And Pipe, you're going to have to tee this one up because, again, this came from a, uh, a series of tweets or a, a conversation that happened on, on Twitter, I think, about how, like, so many people are leaning on counseling, but maybe what they really need is just, like, close, authentic friendships. And I'll preface this by saying that, like, I'm not in any way anti-counseling. Like, we've had 
an incredible biblical counseling experience that, that really helped us out in a, in a super rough time. So uh, I, I do ride with that idea, but uh, I think there's something to this too. So Piper, tee it up for us. Yeah, so the, the interaction started. So Richard Clark, who's a friend of mine, also he works at Christianity Today, and he, he put out some thoughts and again, all of this is this is un, this is not a combative thing. This is much more yeah. wrestling through the value of different kinds of relationships. So he said, "I recommend counseling to literally everyone, but I've become convinced that counseling is necessary in particular for those who live in the suburbs, where building consistent, genuine, ongoing community outside of the home is an uphill battle, to say the least." So he's coming from sort of a cultural particular in the suburbs. People are more isolated, more lonely, so counseling seems more necessary. Then yeah. a lady who I don't know named Danae Hudlow retweeted that and and added some thoughts, and she said, I've been having this thought a lot recently. I find myself recommending counseling a lot, but I think that's because it seems like so few people have brothers and sisters in Christ that they can talk to about the deepest things, process emotion with, and seek wisdom from. So she takes it out to just the broader relational context, not so much the suburban context. Um, but yeah, I just, when I, I saw her tweet first and, and Richard second, and I've, I've had similar thoughts because, you know, having gone through some challenging things over the last few years, I have, have met with counselors sometimes consistently, sometimes here and there, honestly, finding a counselor feels a lot like blind dating. You know, you just sort of get set up and you're like, boy, I hope this goes well. Cause I'm about to go <laughs> yeah. bear my soul and I hope they don't stink at this or be awkward or whatever. Um, yeah. and I, I've had really mixed results, never, never anything hurtful, but sometimes it's like, well, that was just like lighting a hundred dollars on fire. Um, sure. and sometimes it's been very beneficial, but I have not felt as dependent on counselors as I've seen some other people be because I do have a circle of relationships who I can call text, you know, grab a drink with whatever to talk through the hard things of life. And so that does ease the that sort of the self-eating self-pressure that often needs to be taken to a counselor of just the, you know, the emotional, spiritual stuff. Now, if you're in a crisis yeah. situation, professionals have, you know, they have a unique, unique training and ability to help with that. Boys, do we agree that um, like community is harder in the suburbs? I guess that's the part of this that I'm, I'm the most interested in at this point. Um, just My because it's, I, I guess in the mid 2000s, it was really popular to crap on the suburbs and every, everything was all like, oh, the city, the city, the city. Yeah, it's and still the same, by the is way. Is it still the same? I mean, in my world, it is. Yeah, the, the suburbs are like, is, you know, in church planning world and all that, the suburbs are just like the worst. Oh, dude, you know? yeah, nobody's planting a church in the They're suburbs. like, they're not even human. They're less, they're left. Oh, they're less than I'm, human. Yeah, they're, even though they're Even though they're all parents, that's where people yeah, go when they become human, parents. They have kids. Exactly. They're less. They're the worst, but they're they're the most human. I don't know. I'm so confused so, yeah, right it's now. Everything's muddy. I think yeah. I think community I don't think community's harder in the suburbs than it is in the city. I think <clears throat> I think patterns of life, you know, because the it so the suburbs are where families move. So you've got kids yeah. in different schools and soccer and dance and swim and whatever else. So life is nuts. But my guess is if you asked a 32-year-old single professional who lives in Manhattan how's, how easy is it to have community, they would feel isolated, miserable, lonely often. Sure. And I don't – so I don't know that – you know, ask, ask a, a couple who lives in a you know, transitional living home and they're on the independent side but they're moving towards the assisted living. I bet they feel isolated. I don't know that the suburban aspect is 
is more true. I definitely think that if you just take a step back and look at the point Danae made that I think people need counseling because it because they lack close relationships. I think that's sort of yeah. a, I think that's a hundred percent true. I've Dude, known I agree. I've known two or three people. Tell me if you guys have, have run across these people who they have regular appointments with a therapist and if I ask why, they're just like to process things. Well, oh yeah. Dude, and I know so, people like, like that. their their therapist is essentially their close friend and mm-hmm. it it's a, it's a and, and so there's there's not an end in mind yeah. and to me when i hear therapy i think you you are you are working towards a goal of some kind like a, a healing goal a working through this arriving at a place of health i mean that's how physical therapy works that's how you know somebody has a stroke and they're going through therapy to regain functionality sure. but for some reason counseling therapy seems like it's just potentially an, an ongoing loop of conversation. Yeah, no, I know, I know people exactly like that. Therapy is almost like the, the buddy that they have the long talk with. Um, yeah. And, and I don't know what to think about it. I, I tend to be more like you pipe in the sense of just thinking that like therapy or counseling is sort of a episodic, uh, kind of event. Um, but but I think again though I think for younger people or people who are reared in a certain kind of mindset like it, it's almost a lifestyle you know what I mean it's almost it's almost a way of life in the same way that like I don't know for affluent white people of our ilk talking about the enneagram for hours is just a thing that you do whereas it would seem ridiculous to somebody else you know what I mean well, I think too it's like uh, those are good points I think for uh, you know take you know thinking about it in the sense that a lot of people. You know, they don't have people they can have meaningful conversation with. That may have been their pastor back in the day. And yeah. for some people that, you know, especially for people that don't go to church, but they need to have that kind of outlet to express themselves, to maybe cry, or to even know how to think through things or how to express things. Mm-hmm. And so a counselor just like helps them, you know, kind of unload those things that are stressors in their lives. Whereas yep. maybe like, you know, if you go back a certain number of years, um, it would have been their pastor to be able yeah. to do that with them. But there's less of that now. Um, because there's less churchgoers. So they, or they feel like, Hey, I have, why do I need to go to church? I have this therapist that doesn't judge me. That's not preaching at me, but allows me to kind of surface some things that are hurting. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great point. Yeah. I just, it seems so the, the times I've, the times I've invested in counseling have always been to resolve an unresolvable problem or a problem that I couldn't sure. figure out how to resolve, you know, relational problem, emotional problem, spiritual problem. Um, but always with the idea that I would like to stop doing this. Yeah. You know, not, it, not with the idea that like, this is something I'll be doing for the rest of my life. Right. I, I wanted to get to the point where the person who is a neutral third party who's outside my life says, I think you're in a good spot now. I think, yeah, sure. you know, I think you've, you've developed practices, perspectives. It's affirmation. It yeah. And yeah. so that, so that I can then leave and, yeah. and kind of feel, feel peaceful about stepping out on my own. Like, okay, I'm, I have gained strength, skill set, whatever it is. Um, and it doesn't seem like people use counseling that way. It does seem like it is filling a void. I mean, people absolutely use it that way. It seems like more and more people are using it to fill a void rather than get to a better place in life health-wise, whether it's emotional, spiritual, relational, whatever it is. And that that's really odd to me. Um, and again, maybe that's because I'm functioning from a place of I've been, 
I've been really blessed with good friends who I can talk through hard things with, be honest about things with, kind of do the muddy processing of things where you're like, I don't, I don't know how to think about this and just sort of dump a bunch of stuff out and have them either tell me you're an idiot or, you know, encourage me or help me think through things. And yeah, maybe, maybe that's, maybe I'm a little more harsh on it because I have had that and other people feel very isolated. I'm not sure. Maybe you're more harsh on it because you have this podcast pipe because we have everything we need contained in this weekly, (laughs) in this weekly meeting. I mean, what do, what do we even, we don't, we're the last people to talk about what we need or what anybody else needs. We we have everything. We have everything. We are each other's counselors in a, in a sense. That's, that's both the best and worst thing I've heard this week. (laughs) Absolutely. It's uh, it's mysterious that way, Piper. It's meant to be mysterious and boys, uh, we are always mysterious on this program. It's one reason why people love us. It's one reason why they should race to iTunes and give us a five-star review um, so that we can be on the charts in different countries, which is a thing that I like. Um, and, I, and I like doing this podcast, boys. I'm just going to say it. So we have done what we always do in this program in that we have wandered to and fro throughout these topics. And until next time. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Hello, my name is Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we're the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, check us out, Life After Addiction Podcast, and you can subscribe at lifeaudio.com.